Scene one, take ten, marker. Studio of WHUP LP Hillsboro. This is Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour, together we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, the artist examines his guitar. Professor of the Modern School of Film, student of life, Iron and Wine is here. Murmur is a Modern School of Film show. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Glad to have you with us. It's a beautiful day. Even if it wasn't a beautiful day, like I actually prefer the rain, but that's a different show for a different day. Uh, more importantly, we have a website. This, these are the important things in life. We have a website, uh, murmurradio.com. We have social and anti-social media at MSF Murmur. We, what else do we have? We have a Facebook page, and you can email us. This is important. Uh, murmurradio at gmail.com. This is important. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're also on iTunes. We're on Google Play, and we're on something called Stitcher. I don't know what Stitcher is. I know what a Stitcher does. They stitch. Uh, anyway, Murmur Radio, happy to have you here with us. We are not alone today. We have a cast of thousands, literally thousands. There are more people in this room breathing um, oxygen than ever before. So we'll keep our questions shorter today. Um, before we meet our extra special guest, um, an old friend, this is what we call Old Home Week at Murmur. Um, it's funny, when I think of plotting out the show, I, it's always a sort of chicken or egg. Are there guests I want to talk to or th there are things I want to talk about? And what's the kind of gestalt? Should I invite someone on because of the topic or should I wrap the topic around? Well, this kind of worked out really well because uh, today's guest is is someone um, that we love. Uh, and he's been really generous with his time and his thought. And when I was thinking about having Iron and Wine on the show and, and he merci merci mercifully accepted the invitation, I thought, well, what, what would we talk about? Because um, he and I have talked about a lot of things, film, music. And then I was thinking, well, what, am, what have I been thinking most about recently? And, and oddly enough, it's sort of a simple topic, but not a simple uh, reality. I've been thinking of dreams, and not the dreams that we have at, as we sleep. The dreams we have as children, actually. Um, the, the dreams that we're supposed to have, you know, dream big, 
uh, follow your dreams, um, those sorts of tropes. And I think as I've gotten older, I wonder what the value is in dreaming. And I wonder what the value is in, in, in that kind of rhetoric. And, it, you know, is it rhetoric? If it is rhetoric, then it probably is something to be examined. But if it is something, if it is something important, we need to play it out. Because I think often we, we leave the dreamer, you know, to live out the dream. We don't babysit the dream. That's the responsibility of the dreamer. And that's a sort of lonely, bittersweet idea. Because I think as life goes on and as we get older, dreams change. And I know I, qu- I question on an hourly basis, <laughs> am I still following my dream? Should I st- still be following my dream and um, have my g- dreams changed? And that's a sort of bittersweet thing as well. You know, someone once said to me, you're the only person I know who's still following their the thing they dreamed. And I took it as an as a kind of shock. <laughs> I think I mean it was meant as a as a compliment. But it forced me to look at my trajectory and something, you know, it's it's like a tightrope walker looking down at the ground. You know, it's like the coyote walking in thin air. He doesn't know he falls until the roadrunner says you you know you can't do that. So I, I never like to look at kind of where I am, but that remark and today's guest led me to think about dreams, you know, what comes of dreams, the power, the fantasy, you know, the, the sort of the sort of misdirection of dreams. Today's guest uh, created a really beautiful film um, about, and the title itself is a kind of uh, reverence, pays reverence to um, dreamers and makers the title of the project uh, that Iron and Wine um, created, it was a 2015 short film. I, I think I'm getting the date right. Um, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film, but it's called Dreamers and Makers Are My Favorite People. And the subject of the documentary was very unique, and we may cover that today. But it, it made me reflect on the tool of the dream, you know, the dream as a tool. So I thought, well, Sam, Iron and Wine, he's actually, I think of him as a dreamer. I think of him as someone who's living a dream, who's taken a lot of risks. And then that led me to another concept that I want to talk about with, with Iron and Wine today, which is you know, something David Lynch calls the art life, you know, living the art life. And if your dream is an artistic dream, <laughs> you know, good luck. Uh, but this is, you know, Sam's someone who's been living it successfully and ins- he's an inspiration to me I would never tell him that to his face fortunately he's not here oh he is um but he is an inspiration to me um and I think it's important to to kind of examine the things we follow the motivations that carry us so today uh, we have an old friend with us um he is truly an artist and uh inadvertently he is um, a man with no name this short cigar belongs to the man with no name. This long gun belongs to the man with no name. This poncho belongs to the man with no name. Don't you want to see me? What's wrong, Ramon? Your touch. Shoot to kill, you better hit the heart. 
Aim for the heart or you'll never stop me. The man with no name. Danger fits him like a tight black glove. He is perhaps the most dangerous man who ever lived. Coffins ready. <laughs> I don't think it's nice you laughing. You see, my mule don't like people laughing. He gets the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. My mistake, four coffins. This man with no name is played by Clint Eastwood. He's going to trigger a whole new style in adventure. Fistful of Dollars is the first motion picture of its kind. It won't be the last. Your car check, Mr. Carey. I don't want it. But you can't leave your car there, sir. It's yours. But I have a car, Mr. Carey. I know, but this one is paid for. I take pleasure of introducing my genius director, Mr. Maximilian Carey. Maxi. Say a couple of words over the microscope. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I owe my entire success to beef, iron, and wine. Mm. Pardon the static, ladies and gentlemen. That was not static. <laughs> and now I want to introduce my guest to leave me, the Duchess of Derby. I'm sorry we're so terribly late, but we've had so many guests for dinner this evening. Some of your charming Hollywood stars. Good night. I must go now. Mr. Kelly is waiting, and there's nothing so exasperating as waiting on people. I ought to know.
When um, when I was in, I think it was the third grade. I had um, kind of off. I think it was second, third grade. It was sort of an awful teacher who shall remain nameless. But um, one thing that was really cool is one day we had a substitute teacher and he brought his guitar. Actually. And he taught one whole lesson. The whole day's lesson was him teaching us Take It Easy by the Eagles. (laughs) Honestly, I don't think that's a that's a masterstroke of songwriting. But I love that song because of that kind of thing, you know, and having that memory. Uh, It's funny. That song was actually uh, trivia was actually co-written by um, Glenn Frey and Jackson Brown. Neither of whom are on the show today. One who is deceased and the other just we couldn't get. <laughs> but we, we're doing pretty good anyway. Um, I guess my point is every teacher should have a guitar. So we're happy to have uh, a teacher with a guitar today. Uh, it's been an, I think it's been an amazing year uh, for him uh, on every level of art. Uh, cinematically, well, let's start with, uh, you know, not to bury the lead. He, an incredible record out this year. Um, late style of fire. Oh, sorry, that's the documentary. Sorry, <laughs> there's a lot of fire going on, dude. So much fire. There's so much love letter for fire with another amazing artist, Jessica Hoop. Yeah. It's uh, funny. I don't know if you saw Paste Magazine just called it one of its top of the year. Did you see oh, that? Yeah, I didn't see that. They have great taste, though, don't they? Well, they did <laughs> until I read that. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's been an incredible year for today's guest. Uh, he hosted a screening in Austin of, of a film called uh, Computer Chess, right? Yeah. Uh, I love this. Now he now the guest can refute me. I actually don't like it. I like talking about Orson Welles <laughs> and Hitchcock and people who cannot say you're wrong or misquoting me. Uh, but one of my favorite thing he's done this year is because this is something I I've always wanted to do is he he kind of created a score for a runway show. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> but uh, you know today more to the point. I and, and in all seriousness, this is uh, thinking about this idea of dreams, dreamers, and and living a life you know stitched in. It's easy to say, dream kids. But it's another thing to actually walk that walk. This is a man who walks the walk, not only as a dreamer, but as an artist. He called himself a lazy bum. We should all be so lazy. Just taking it easy, man. Uh, That song, (laughs) you know, I I, I still think that song is East Coast easy feeling, but it's peaceful easy feeling. (laughs) I could have sworn for like years that was, I got an East Coast easy (laughs) feeling. But then I thought, I've never had an easy feeling on the East Coast. I've never seen that. Yeah, I don't (laughs) even know what that means. Anyway, we're pleased to have back with us on Murmur and uh, Professor Emeritus of the modern school film uh, <laughs> Iron and Wine. Hey, man. Hey, Robert. It's a. It's so cool for you to be here. Really, it's great to be here, man. You Thank know, you. Um, a. I don't get paid to do this, but b. I would talk to, like we've talked as human beings, so it's really weird but cool to have you here, man. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you, Robert. It means a lot, you know. And and uh, and I meant what I said. You know, the trigonometry of having you here. You know, we could sit here and talk about the phone book because I find like your thoughts just really inspire me but I no I do and, and I know you're going to take the piss out of yourself for the next 40 minutes I'm fully prepared to to back you up but I I, do, I did re-watch um, Dreamers and Makers or My Favorite People and frankly it's it, among in addition to it being a beautiful title for oh, cool. is now there's all sorts of like misinformation is that a film you directed do you consider no, yourself the director of that Jamie did that one we were um I put out this collection of old odds and sods kind of stuff, and um, 
my manager Howard saw this article, had seen this article in the paper about this guy Dusty who had built this music venue in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. Yeah. And so we just thought it would be fun to go play, you know, go meet Dusty and play at this place in the middle of nowhere. Um, as part of just bringing this record to to the world. And so, um, and then we had our friend Jamie come in with his camera and he was able to throw a bunch of stuff together. Because, you know, it's such a unique space. The Jerry Run. It, yeah. It's in Cleveland, West Virginia. Nowhere. I love the fact that it's called Cleveland. <laughs> I thought Cleveland, is, you know. That's a really fascinating and cool thing. I mean, was he cool? Was Jerry, Was were, he, were Dusty and Renee, sorry. Were Dusty and Renee cool with you filming or was that? Totally cool. Yeah. I mean, they were just, you know, they had never. That was my impression of the entire day. It was like everyone was just so baffled. The the <laughs> yeah. the people that lived there didn't know us. You know, it was like the circus came down. They had no idea. Like UFOs had landed. Yeah. Um, and then also the people, fans who came, who traveled to there were like, why are you guys in the middle of nowhere? What is going on? I mean, everyone was so yeah. confused. It's just a fun spot to be in. And you're, you're I don't say warm up, but the, the act before you, those amazing bluegrass kids, yeah. Yeah. They, they tell the cutest story in that film about, <laughs> you know, 30 minutes before I'm yeah. opening up for Iron and Wine. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> they were so, yeah, they were great. They're so young and just fun. I, you know, we, we, we only have <coughs> like a limited time, so I kind of want to get to some heavy stuff. You know, it's funny. Talking about the heavy was, stuff. Yeah, man, this okay. is heavy lifting. <laughs> you see how much sweat is under my <laughs> underarms right now? No, um, the that's a different story. But the other, um, you know, watching those kids talk about how giddy they were to open for you, it's a adorable. B, it, it made complete sense. And C, it reminded <laughs> me, no, it did. But C, <laughs> you're it re- killing me. <laughs> C, it reminded me of something. Uh, I did a talk with Jeff Tweedy once, and and I, we were talking about the movie American Movie. I don't know yeah. if you know that film. Incredible yeah, film. Yeah. And I said to Jeff, I said, what separates you from these guys? Like, what, what is the difference between you and them? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's true. I and mean, it wasn't meant as an insult, and I don't throw that to you as an insult with these kids. But <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Like, why would they care? What, I mean, you know, it's just so, because someone told them it was popular, it was good. You know, it's just crazy. Um, but that's that is like you said, like the dreamer, the um, the person who walks naively forward, just following their creative muse. I mean, that's that's kind of the ultimate uh, life for me, you know. But you have no you have no idea whether what you're doing is of value to someone else or not. You just sort of go forward blindly and hope for the best. Well, what what <coughs> confirms anything to you? Is it is it your own confirmation? Of you, of yourself, you know. Do you? Do, uh, this is going to sound. This whole thing is going to sound overly poetic, and I, I kind of apologize, but I don't. I mean, I apologize because I know you, and and I know you know you'd rather talk about anything but yourself. Um, sorry, dude. We just locked the doors. <laughs> These guy combo locks yeah. on them. No, but I, I, then we, we can pose it for other people in the sense that, you know, that's. Uh, just to go back to those kids who opened for you, those amazing kids, what separates anyone from anyone just in terms of uh, the uh, the ability to live a life like that? Like, you've made a life of your music. So something... Yeah, really lucky, you know? You believe in luck? Oh, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, there's so many artists out there. And to be 
you know, to be just to be noticed is, yeah, it's, there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, I think there's a lot of perseverance and all those things as well. But luck, I mean, anyone will tell you, anyone successful will tell you it's, it's a huge part of it. I, I hate that word. Yeah, it's a drag. It is because I no, can't control te- it. I can't teach it. <laughs> I can't teach it. It's a conversation stopper. Well. Good, good night, everybody. <laughs> Tune in next week. We'll have we'll have something that we can no. But you know, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a sort of a parallel. You know, I, there are certain things that end conversation. That's I'm not you, I can't refute what you're saying. Obviously, history has proven this idea. But I think we need a new word for luck. And I'm not saying that to you. You know, I always think of you know having you ever have a discussion with someone and they say oh you wouldn't understand because you're not married or you wouldn't understand because you've never owned a business like that that kind of tool like that kind of thing it's so hard like certain things you can't respond to luck like how how do you deal with like do you feel lucky do you feel like you've had a lucky life yeah of course of course i feel lucky. i get to do what i like for a living um you know there's areas in my life where i feel like i've been unlucky but at the same time you know as far as what we're talking about yeah of course I feel I've had more luck than anyone deserves um, but you know that's been the the subject of art and plays and books for forever like f- how much control of your fate do you have and um, usually not much <laughs> you know you try hard do what you feel is right at the moment and then hope for the best because you never know it's going to rain or sun's going to shine we're not in control and so that's it is a conversation stopper but at the same time it has has a lot of truth uh, in life you're also hitting another one of my least favorite words uh, (laughs) hope I hate that word I hate it with all due respect to our outgoing president who ran basically a whole campaign on it (laughs) I I hate that word I do and and that's another word that I guess it feels very Catholic to me. You know, I'm not accusing you of that. that, that <laughs> I'm not saying it, being a Catholic is an accusation. I'm just saying that it feels passive. It feels like a passive mm-hmm. concept. And again, you know, I can mm-hmm. never, not that teaching is a referendum on anything of value, but I, I can't even picture myself going in front of a student and say, hey guys, I, I hope it goes well this weekend. Like I, <laughs> you know, and I hate when people say good luck or I hope it goes well. Those feel... Like that's when the pit of my stomach drops. Do you, <laughs> when you create something, do you hope? Do, is hope an ingredient? Of course. What are you hoping for? Shouldn't you have uh, hoped it when you wrote it? <laughs> 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 Shouldn't you have hoped it when you wrote it? When you actually recorded it? No. What do you What are you hoping for? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it depends. Um, uh, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, I think you hope something is successful enough for you to be able to afford to do another one <laughs> you know i think people you hope that it lands in the right hands of someone who will appreciate it yeah you hope that it'll you know i that's all that's all life is really i don't know i don't know how to how to that's another conversation stopper <laughs> well, <laughs> you know why did i do all this prep work <laughs> i just shut you down <laughs> you know I, i'm leaving you literally this is the, t- actually the theme of today is career suicide <laughs> today's guest is uh, well, well it's it's another i mean that's do you have an do you feel like you have an infinite supply of hope <laughs> well uh 
Yeah, sure. Because the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a. Good <laughs> <laughs> no, because the, the idea, like, if you give up hope, it ends. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, I use that crude metaphor of damn coyote, you know, yeah. wily coyote. If you give up hope, I guess this all connects into dreams, you know, just to put it into like a, a ladder, you know. I guess so. I, yeah, we have to do something. <laughs> we got to do something. You, you came all this way. <laughs> we might as well say something. You know, it's, yeah. I, 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 it's funny because another weird connect, not so weird, interesting connection. I, I, I know a film, I, a film that you've talked about, um, or at least written about, or at least referenced is Brazil. It's yeah. a, it's a film that you know we I've talked about on the show. I know Black Francis of the Pixies is someone who's also is a great fan. I know a lot of filmmakers. Yeah, and I consider you against your better judgment, a filmmaker. <laughs> but um, you know, I remember seeing Brazil when I was young. Yeah, and that concept of Sam Lowry dreaming his way out of something. Right, right. It's amazing concept. Yeah, yeah. It's one that we can all, you know, relate to as far as having ideas and dreams like you say and then having only so much control as far as how much of that you can bring to fruition or um for sure yeah i mean the, the underdog is that's a powerful that's a powerful character it really is and what's interesting about that film is he doesn't he's not fighting to change his life he dreams and he's content with this division between and i think a lot of people are you know, it's funny. Look, meeting people as as an older. I just turned twenty one, by the way. Congratulations! Um, thanks. You're welcome. Um, but just meeting people as an older. Here's what they want. They want to. They're <coughs> concerned with where my next vacation is. That's their dream. Or I want to try new restaurants. That's their dream. And not trying to diminish those dreams or those yeah. ideas of the escape. But I, when I look at someone like you, and I'm not going to mention this to you because you'll just shoot it down. I love vacation. <laughs> I also love restaurants, <laughs> but you're but you're living a dream, in a yeah. in a sense, you know, in a, in a undoubtedly, kind of, yeah. And I think that's an amazing. That's the inspirational piece, yeah. like how you feel about it, notwithstanding. I mean, as Charles Barkley s- wrongly said, "I'm not a role model." Like you are that thing. <laughs> you can't you can't tell anyone not to think you're inspiring. You, you, it won't work. Yeah, and no, I think for pa- sure because I remember being that person, just looking at you know, musicians that I liked or filmmakers or whatever, creative types, and just going, man, that would be great to be able to do that for a living. You know, having no idea, like, what it was like to actually do that day-to-day or, or, you know, what actually goes into the reality of that kind of life. Um, But I definitely remember being that person and just going, man, what do I have to do to do that, to get there? Um, And... Yeah. And what's and the answer? Now the <laughs> luck. <laughs> Blind luck. <laughs> Throw a dart at a dartboard. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Remem- remember your training and trust your luck. Well, then why do we tell kids to dream? Like, why do we tell, like, follow your dreams? Why do we tell, you know, I have a dream? No, that's a bad example because MLK no, was doing something. You're answering your own question. <laughs> I'm trying to get, I'm trying to f- feel better about my life. Don't you understand why you're here? <laughs> You must have a, you must have hope. You know what? I, well, you know what? <laughs> you don't know how wrong you are, but you know, you know what I was thinking of this morning is the thing you live is is the thing. You know, you don't move towards a dream; you live within a dream. I, I not to. I know that's not a question, and I hate questions that aren't questions. The thing is the thing, but it kind of is. 
you know, because one of the things I want to talk about later, and this will really pep you up, is legacy. Because I, th- you know, was thinking another about someone, an artist who I, I've heard you mention as someone you really have cared about, and and is Nick Drake. And, oh yeah. You know, and I think when you fir- first meet Nick, think of Nick Drake. How can anyone hear that and not like that? That's just nice. Nice music is nice. What's the your thing f- is the thing. What's your favorite? <laughs> I feel a song coming out. What's your favorite? Do you have? Is there? Do you remember the first Nick Drake song you heard? I don't. I remember when I, I remember the atmosphere of my life when I heard it. I was in, like, finishing college in Richmond, Virginia in the 90s, like mid-90s, and everyone was listening to metal and Fugazi ripoff bands and oh. all this stuff. And then this, this comp came out, because I didn't know Nick Drake from Adam. Yeah. I liked acoustic music. But at the same time, I didn't really know his songs because they weren't really... They had kind of fallen off with people that were listening, you know, at least the people that I was um, involved with. And so this comp came out on, uh, I can't remember what label it was, but um, a friend of mine gave it to me. I was like, wow, that's that's just great. Mm. You know, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Concise and simple and just beautiful. I like simple things sometimes. (laughs) What did you you think when you heard (coughs) he had taken his own life at an early age? Uh, well, that, I mean, I was in art school, and a lot of the people that I admired had done that, so it wasn't really a... <laughs> it was all... It was <laughs> just what <laughs> Some people, you know, like you said, hope is, you know, is a tricky thing, especially in, in the arts where you're... I mean, it's it's hard for anyone, because life is hard. Yeah. Um, uh, ask Buddha. <laughs> tell you. He's next week. <laughs> a much better show next week. Life is hard. No matter what you do, um, but the arts—it's hard to qualify. The it's hard to know when you're doing something right or wrong because yeah. it's all subjective, and it's hard to. We're all such fickle people. Where if you're like in manufacturing, you know, I got to make enough, and then I'll make money, and then you can deal with whether you're happy or not. But at least what you're doing is a definable, measurable thing. Like I did what I was supposed to do. Whereas the arts is like. There's no metric for it. There's no, yeah, there's no measurement. Kubrick, Kubrick died at 70. I'm sure he wanted more films. Robert Altman died at 95. I'm sure he, he was working on a film. He was actually working on a, uh, a narrative adaptation of Hands on a Hard Body when he wow. died. I think he had figured out something that Kubrick didn't know. You know, how Smoke to... Smoke a lot of pot. <laughs> yeah. I, I think maybe Kubrick might have done that too. <laughs> 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 uh, but I think he figured out how to release a lot more and enjoy almost like a like a jazz player rather than a composer you know like real serious avant-garde composer or something you know like a he didn't he had figured out how to make the ensemble the joy what he enjoyed about it and being surprised and being you know and that's a that's a real generous place to be as an artist what's funny uh reading about you talking about that sounds strange reading about you talking about the, <laughs> the joy of a take you know you, you were in film school and and you were a, a teacher at some point but i yeah, read another, somewhere another life where you talked about you've had a lot of them which again yeah. i think is part of your inspiration frankly to mm-hmm. me because that's not easy 
Um, take it easy. Coming up next <laughs> on WBAZ, <laughs> uh, we're talking actually Taking Sim. It easy. We're talking uh, East Coast easy. Iron and wide here on Murmur. Forgot to mention what we're doing because Sam, we we have similar conversations over coffee, <laughs> so it's kind of like oh, we're actually these. This is being recorded for posterity. But you know, thinking of um, someone like John Cassavetes, who seemed miserable and was, and we didn't really know what we had until he had passed too soon. You know, this isn't yeah. about passing too soon, but it is. The completion of the thing is also part of the thing, you know, in the sense that being an living an artist life, yeah, it's 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 it may be struggling to pay your rent one day, it may ha- be having a hit record one day, and it's both of them, you know, it's it's kind of that complete those yeah. complete things. So also thinking about another filmmaker I know you've admired. Um, uh, we share a similar love for the film Yojimbo, which is a favorite oh, film. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's kind of one of the reasons I p- played uh, yeah, Man I, With No Name. Yeah, yeah, right. It all was coming together. Um, Big but, circle. But Kurosawa tried to take his life twice. Oh, I didn't know that. He tried two. He had There were two failed suicide attempts. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Well, that's the th- I'm not saying suicide is a referendum on artistry, as, <laughs> y- as you were. <laughs> but, no, I guess my point is, I remember when I heard it's that. so hip. I re- <laughs> I remember when I heard that, it was like, even him, you know? Yeah, you never know what's going on inside people. Because, you know, suicide, I mean, that that kind of state of mind is not something people like to advertise. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't mean to, to go down the rabbit hole, but I almost, I meant it more in a pedestrian way, and you're right. We It's it's not something to tr- trifle with that topic, but I thought, this is an artist of such high renown, high respect, people like Lucas and all these people, and Spielberg loved him, Coppola, yeah. yet he st- struggled yeah. he struggled to get work mm. he had to go to russia to get a film made yeah that's right dersu uzal mm. in 1975 he didn't speak russian he worked <laughs> with an all russian crew <laughs> that would probably make you want to commit suicide probably My God, <laughs> this man is dragging this all down even suicide <laughs> there are no sacred cows the one other topic before we get there there is a there is a <clears throat> something in your hands currently that i want to address but um that sounds strange but um the, the other thing I want to talk about is you were talking about uh, VCU or going to yeah. school in Richmond. Right. VCU, which I think is a really underrated program. And Richmond is kind of on the uptick as a city. It's yeah. been hip- hipsterized. Yeah. It's getting hipsterized. Yeah, I, I guess so. I haven't been back in a while. Um, but the I do get the the school asks me for money still a lot. <laughs> so I do get the brochures. I know their program is – and, I you know, I – I have some kids who are getting ready to go into college and they want to go to art school. So we've been checking out the programs and I would never recognize that art program from the one that I went to. It's amazing. What, what's an art school? You said your kids are maybe eyeballing an art school. How do, they, how do you define that? Does it have art to have the school? word art in it? Oh, uh, you know, they have some creative program. Uh, no, not necessarily. It has some creative program, you know, that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you consider an art program? I hate the word. I, I you hate, hate everything. What well, no, I, I art. I got another word. I hate. I hate experimental filmmakers because every yeah. film is an experiment. I mean, if I knew how it was going to come Some out, are more experimental than others. Yeah, but I can't. I, we. That's our <laughs> next episode because I, I don't like these words that limit. I think those words subliminally limit. You know, yeah. and not to sound righteous yeah. about this. You no, know, no, but, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, but but you know, again, it is a bittersweet thing, which is the next topic: being an artist. That's a that's a dastardly. That's a perilous idea. But at that time at VCU, you were studying. A painting. Painting, yeah, and fell into filmmaking, yeah. But also all the time playing music and 
you know, that's, well, a, music that's a, a hobby. You called music a hobby. Yeah, I still think of it that way, <laughs> unless I'm on the radio. <laughs> Does that, ju- <laughs> and then you feel like you're a chopped liver. Do you, <laughs> then do you I feel lucky? Do you feel like? <laughs> do you feel like it's like an Eastwood thing? <laughs> that's where I got it. Do you feel lucky, punk? No. But why do you call it a hobby? Is it does it make you feel? Uh, is it more like a protection in case it doesn't work? Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just a deflection. But at the same time, I mean, back then it felt like a hobby because I was studying painting and studying filmmaking as a, you know, studying filmmaking as a profession, which, you know, with an entire industry that you can go in. And it was something that I understood that I could get a job (laughs) and something that I liked. I mean, such a multidisciplinary, filmmaking is such a multidisciplinary art form. It's so fun for, you know, fickle flighty people like me who <laughs> like to like dabble in lots of different things um but um but yeah i mean i think as soon as, as soon as you get serious too serious about an art form you i feel like sometimes you unless you have a, a certain amount of discipline i think you you start to anticipate too much to or to anticipate what the audience might want or what the industry might require yeah. for you to make a living so it's it's uh, healthier to see it as as a fun hobby. Well, you know, it's interesting. Filmmakers, I feel, go through a reverse process. I remember uh, reading about Marty Scorsese, and he said, you know, when I was a young filmmaker, I used to say, I'm not making films for the audience. I'm making them for myself. <laughs> and then he kind of went, yeah. as he said, as I got older, I actually wanted to make them for the audience. You know, I'm yeah, not saying yeah. it's a precise definition. Well, I think you start to, you also start to figure out that those things aren't mutually exclusive. Right. Like you are an, an audience member. And and by, on some some films or some songs or whatever art form you want to talk about, sometimes, you know, the more that you think of yourself as an audience member and, and uh, yeah. you know, become, because we are we're very different, but there are some things that are very similar in all of us, too. And that those are the things that art taps into. Well, I think that's why, to me, uh, this isn't a referendum on taste, but I think <laughs> you, can make a def- you can make a case that the definitive filmmaker is Hitchcock. He only right. cared about manipulating the audience. Yeah, he uh, definitely uh, liked to make a good roller coaster ride. And that was his trip. Yeah. And... And when you think of the intrinsic nature of film, you can make you can make a case that that's close to it. You know, mm. he did yeah. it in a. You know, I always think about this with Spielberg. I'm not a Spielberg fan, but it seems like his tastes are the popular. Ta- you know, yeah. he he's not thinking. Get me those focus groups. Tell me what they like. They like <laughs> movies about kids. Let's make. It just so happens that what he likes, everyone likes. You know, so in a way. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He <laughs> he was supposed to be here today, but again, yeah. we'll we fell way short. <laughs> um, one last thing, and then we can get into the fun stuff. You know, one filmmaker I was thinking about with you, <clears throat> I, I do think of you know, I was thinking about the, with this topic less with you and more with the topic of dreams. And David Lynch is someone who talks about dreams. Oh yeah, but in a more of a kind of psychoanalytic ways, and I'll s- Halloween kind of way. I'll spare yeah. you that, but I want to play you something he. Um, I don't know if you've ever read his, this. This is not a a case for nor a negation of uh, transcendental meditation. But he wrote. He obviously is a big proponent of TM, mm. and he wrote a yeah. really fascinating book that, agnostically speaking, has so much great film information in it. Oh wow! It's called um, Catching the Big Fish. Have you ever read it? <laughs> you won't leave thinking I've got to meditate, but you will be inspired by a lot of his thoughts about cinema. I want to play you something uh, that he. Th- 
we're in he's talking about living the art life I want to cool. just get your take is that cool of is course. that and then we'll be done with the heady portion and we can get on to the heavy stuff yeah I mean I'm telling back you. to taking it easy <laughs> You know, Don Henley, can we get him on the show, somebody? <laughs> uh, now, he'd be a fun time, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> talk about not taking it easy. Um, this is uh, Lynch. Talk about luck. The <laughs> I'm teasing. This is the last I'm week teasing. of the show, so if you want to donate, <laughs> donate now. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I mean, come on. No, There's, no. You cannot deny that some of those guys, not just Don Henley, they're all, he's got a great voice, played some good songs, whatever. That's all you know, subjective. But those guys landed in the lap of time and the yeah. industry at the right time where just money just pours on them. And like they hit this thing where everyone knows their music yeah. because it hit yeah. this monoculture, just tunnel, like this speed train right to everyone's brain. <laughs> I think that's the And we're still listening to it. That's the coolest definition of them I've ever heard. I it's the 70s it's sun it's riding yeah. down the t you know it's hotel california it's yeah. it's kind of like 70s filmmaking it's like that's the sweet yeah, spot yeah. you know that that's the sweet spot yeah. um wow that was really i've always they've always been an interesting band for me because i don't like them but i can't stop i can't turn away yeah i mean it's like church hymns you've heard them so many times when you, or christmas carols at this point a lot of that 70s music. I mean, you know it just like you know, like Christmas carols, these old folk or folk tunes that you just, they're in our DNA because they've been, they've been <laughs> thrust down so many times. But it's not, it doesn't, it's not a, about whether it's good or not. No, it's we, not. we have a punk rockers have a tendency to just tease and, you know, but it's great music. It's just, is it better than other music? It just, I feel like they just got super lucky. They hit it right at the right time this this convergence of technology and culture yeah that we and haven't really uh, i don't know if we can duplicate it anymore even the bands uh, that hit that spot yeah they don't stay in that spot you know i was thinking not to bash the killers or the strokes but i was thinking about them remember when those bands hit yeah huge. it was it was like these are the guys these are not these are the next eagles but these this is <laughs> this that's, is, that's your nick band this is the this next eagle <laughs> you know what let's just get back to david lynch this man is too glib for my taste i want to play you a brief thing because um he started as lynch started as a painter and yeah. they, they asked him, why do you want to become a filmmaker? He <coughs> said, I wanted to see my paintings move. I always yeah. thought that was a really beautiful definition. Here he is talking about growing up and uh, living an art life. I started out just as a regular person growing up in the Northwest. My father was a research scientist for the Department of Agriculture studying trees. So I was in the woods a lot. And the woods for a child are magical. I lived in what people call small towns. One of the small towns he lived in was Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, his father was a research scientist. They used to travel a lot. He actually lived in Durham, North Carolina for a time. Got a lot of trees here, too. And he hated it. He went on record <laughs> as saying, I absolutely hated living on North Carolina. <laughs> the cigarettes were cheap. <laughs> My world was what would be considered about a city block, maybe two blocks. Everything occurred in that space. All the dreaming, all my friends existed in that small world. But to me, it seemed so huge and magical. There was plenty of time available to dream and be with friends. I liked to paint and I liked to draw. And I often thought wrongly that when you got to be an adult, you stopped painting and drawing and did something more serious. In the ninth grade, my family moved to Alexandria, Virginia. On the front lawn of my girlfriend's house one night, I met a guy named Toby Keeler. 
As we were talking, he said his father was a painter. I thought maybe he might have been a house painter, but further talking got me around to the fact that he was a fine artist. This conversation changed my life. I had been somewhat interested in science, but I suddenly knew I wanted to be a painter and I wanted to live the art life. What do you think of that? It's kind of interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. I remember friends like that. I remember that feeling, too, of not understanding how you... This this transition you went through from from doing what you liked as a child into being an adult and doing what you were supposed to do as an adult. That's a, that's a hard... Do you remember... But you, to me, instead of your, you cho- you chose the, the 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 thorny path, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's the decision, though, right? Like at that moment, I think a lot of us go through that decision. Mm. That's, look, I you know, I think, I don't know. I from I can only speak from my own experience. Um, I didn't I didn't know what else to do. I was useless at everything else, and I knew that what I what I loved to do, I was pretty good at. And so why would I try to do something else? How'd you know you were good at it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed doing it. I guess I didn't think about You know, I was kind of the artsy kid in my community growing up. You know, I went to art school. And, you you know, I'm, I'm a, I've been taking it easy for a while. But I'm also pretty fairly competitive. You know, I think anyone... And it, but it's friendly competition. It's mostly about like, well, let's do better. You know, how do we get right. better? Well, the fun thing about <coughs> Sam, I'll let you in on a little secret, is sitting with him and talking about music that I'm listening to. And <laughs> I'll say, hey, Sam, do you like this band? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, do you like these guys? Eh, it's usually not that I don't like it. It's just I don't, I come to things really <laughs> slowly. And so I don't really, I've, I've, try to keep up so I know what you're talking about <laughs> but I don't know what I you're talking about I never have that problem because I haven't really spent time with it so I'm like yeah cool yeah. <laughs> so basically he's just trying to get out of the conversation <laughs> I just pretend like I know what I'm talking about like I know what you're saying well, I wanna, uh, just to finish the beat and then we can play and sing and dance uh, wanna, Lynch at the end of that clip uh, talked about the art life and when you, yeah. when you hear someone like David Lynch say, talk about living the art life the other shoe is how does he define it? So let's listen to Mr. Lynch. The Art Life. In high school, I read Robert Henri's book, The Art Spirit, which prompted the idea of the art life. For me, living the art life meant a dedication to painting, a complete dedication to it, making everything else secondary. That, I thought, is the only way you're going to get in deep and discover things. So anything that distracts from that path of discovery is not part of the art life in that way of thinking. Really, the art life means a freedom, and it seems, I think, a hair selfish. But it doesn't have to be selfish. It just means that you need time. Bushnell Keeler, the father of my friend Toby, always had this expression. If you want to get one hour of good painting in, you have to have four hours of uninterrupted time. And that's basically true. But if you know you've got to be somewhere in a half hour, there's no way you can achieve that. So the art life means a freedom to have the time for the good things to happen. There's not always a lot of time for other things. What do you think about that? I think that's definitely true. In my experience, that's definitely true. Um, Not to say that you... You do it enough, you can't use that half hour and come up with something decent. But I think the the time and the 
energy you put into it is rewarded usually. One of the things that inspires me about you as a person and why I think there is an art to life. You know, mm-hmm. Neil LeBute once told me, I asked him, what's the definition of art? He said, the things I cannot do are mm-hmm. the definition of art. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's my definition. It just it was interesting because I was thinking about you and I was thinking about how you are. I'm going to use this word not even agnostically as a compliment. You're very protective mm-hmm. of your life, which I love. Mm-hmm. I actually think in an age where we vomit everything on everyone about us, mm. you know, photos about w- with that, that show what kind of cool shoelaces you just bought are all <laughs> over the internet. You, there's a sanctity to, I don't mean to make you seem like a, you know, <laughs> you're, you're living a cloistered life there, but I love, it seems like from afar, not knowing this part of you, but it seemed like your life and your art are very. There is a there is a, a ratio here. There's a there's a chemistry. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I hope so. That that would be the goal. I don't know. You know, some days I feel like I'm doing it better than others. Um, but I definitely know what he's talking about as far as um, giving yourself totally to that um, that exercise. Yeah. Um, and I think. As an artist, it's a rewarding way to spend your time, whether you come up with something worth a shit or not. <laughs> it's a, I think it's, if that's your, if you have a tendency towards that kind of life, I think it's important that you do that. It's, um, it's scary though, isn't it? Or maybe uh, you're not scared. Yeah. Is it scary to give yourself over to what you love? No. Yeah. And, <laughs> s- and say anything other than this kind of life is a lie. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a lie or not. It's just what you what you enjoy and what you think is worth spending, how you think is worth spending your time. I mean, I definitely feel like as an artist, your only your only real responsibility is to your own obsessions. I mean, anything that would be scary about that would be that you presented it to someone else and and you were and you needed their approval. Don't go into filmmaking. <laughs> well, don't go to the arts in general because, I mean, like we were saying before, I mean, it's 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 tough to put your heart out on the table for people to comment on um, because there's not a right or wrong answer. Right. Someone is always going to, you know, think it's good and someone's not going to appreciate it. And so if you're dependent on what people say, then you're in trouble. One thing in the last, I promise the last prickly pair here. But one thing Lynch said, uh, look, dude, I don't have a life. I actually think I. I love these, this stuff. I, love, fi- I don't even care what he talks about. I love hearing him I know, speak. I know. <laughs> have you ever tried his coffee? He makes no. his own coffee. It's called the signature, yeah. David Lynch's signature cup of coffee. I bet it's a weird cup. It, <laughs> you can really drink it in any form or fashion. But, um, he starts talking backwards. <laughs> yes. It's made of wood. Um, I know, but the a log. The. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about was uh, he said uh, it may be selfish to live that kind of life. Have you ever? F- yeah, I do. Yeah, because we all have a responsibility to the people around us. But what's interesting, again, not to cherry pick this, but your wife is an artist. Yeah. And it's funny. I don't know. Is she still a midwife or is that is, is midwifery? Uh, one of my favorite words, midwifery. Well, I don't want to get into. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is. Into uh, the legality of midwifery in North Carolina. But <laughs> That's no, a fair point. We'll, we'll have her strung up by uh, lunchtime. <laughs> but my point is midwifing is an art to me in that sense. Like Definitely. Well, that's why she started doing it. She was a, she was a performance artist. And um, when she became pregnant and had her um, her first daughter, uh, 
with a midwife, she thought that was the most beautiful experience. You know, she's also a feminist. You know, a lot of her artwork had to do with being a feminist. And um, and it, it felt like the ultimate art creative expression. And so I it was that. so inspiring to her I as a that. woman, and she wanted to help other people do it. I think it's beautiful poetry to that. I do, too. And that actually reverberated back to that Neil Labute definition for mm-hmm. him, art of the things he cannot do. Again, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a complete definition, but... No, it's a good... It's, it's, a, a, good, it's a place... It's, it's a good a, nudge in the right direction. It, it is. Speaking I mean, I think that's what that's what's so exciting and, and mysterious about art is that it's usually what we can't explain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not to put it in the file of, like, UFOs and Bigfoot and shit, but, I mean, that's what's exciting about it. That's why we call it art, because it's beautiful and we can't... And it's un, unknowable in a way. I don't know. That's my. I love that. What am I? I remember just to round off this idea. I remember seeing there's a painting uh, called Ophelia. I think it's Malay. Malay. It's Mm -hmm. a. It's it's a very realistic rendering of Ophelia. Lying in the water. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember when I first saw it, and it was one of those cruddy, you know, college dorm room poster (laughs) sales, and it was someone trying to look literary, and they threw it on the wall. But I thought. That's art to me. Someone read Hamlet and was so inspired by a thing that didn't exist that he had to manifest it. Mm. I often think that way, and I'm not a particularly religious person, but when I, when I, went, when I lived in Italy, seeing the statues uh, that Michelangelo did of religious figures thinking whether or not he, we, the, these communities, these societies had to build these statues because the ecstasy of their passion Yeah. Was that's the logical last piece? We need to see what these people look. You know, so I love that you're saying it's the thing we can't know, the thing we can't touch. It's part of it, for sure. I mean, or the part of nature that we just—it's outside of us. You know, at least our thinking brains and how we put shape things together. It's it's just beautiful and natural and yeah, different than us. Um, in our last. Uh, Three hours now. As we enter into the last three hours of our talk, <laughs> this is jokes. Now. Um, we <laughs> we're going to talk more about life and death. No, um, I, I honestly, I find I think you're only not only a good-hearted man, but I I, I do I actually <laughs> you don't uh, know me. I know th- I know you just enough. I actually cherish our conversations. I really do. Um, hey, man, up, likewise. Up until this one, this is going in in the circular. We've done we've done well. So we've had a good run. Now. So did Hope and Crosby. <laughs> So did Martin and Lewis. Well, I give you a little homework, which I don't think you did. But d- d- no, I don't do homework. Oh, anymore. Jesus, Christmas! This is the modern school film. But you have a guitar. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you, do you, did you just bring it? Just to sh- do you have? I, any- I don't know what to do with my hands unless <laughs> I have a guitar. <laughs> Stress balls. <laughs> they they float. Do you um? Do you does your guitar? Mm. Do you have a do you name? Uh, do you have a name for your guitar? Guitar. <laughs> G. <laughs> <laughs> G love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's here, uh, Mr. Guitar. Do I mean I'd be honored? I'm always flattered, and I hate to ask. You know, it's like asking. You know, my brother's a physician. It's like asking someone to do you a procedure kn- on you. Well, no, it's like asking <laughs> asking a family member for f- medical advice. You're like, ah, they probably get asked all the time. You know, yeah. You're obviously an incredible musician and singer. Great um, doctor too. You are. You're the yeah. doctor. You're a doctor of arts and letters, and love. Um, I we I'd be flattered if you, whatever you want to play. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try, th- let's do this old one first. 
says wake up. Oh, I'm going to start that over. It's okay. You ready? No one's listening, yes. <laughs> he says wake up. It's no use pretending. I'll keep stealing, breathing her. Birds are leaving over autumn's end. One of us will die inside these arms. Eyes wide open, naked as we. That's beautiful, man. Unbelievable. Thanks. And I, I mentioned this I to you. what key was in. Yeah, God. Was that? <laughs> My God. You woke up the neighbors. No, I, I remember mentioning this to you once, and I, it's funny that you didn't know it instantly. It's in a, do, that song is in a documentary called Tarnation. I know they've paid you the rights, yeah. so don't be scared. Uh, but Maybe. it's a beautiful film. <laughs> it was produced by Gus Van Sant and uh, John Cameron Mitchell. And oh. there's a great sequence where that song is just front and center oh, cool. and it's really beautiful and I just love it and I love when you do it man Thanks, thank man. you thank you um what a you this is not a weird segue but I I, I just thinking about all the covers you do is a really oh yeah you do no shortage of them my <laughs> well, friend there's a lot of good songs out there yeah I mean if you can't do your <laughs> songs do do long black veil <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it's good enough for the band and Johnny Cash. That actually, that song's been covered a lot. Yeah, what um, a popular one. You did some really cool ones, and the one you did, uh, "Sick of You," the Guar song, oh. it was so <laughs> funny. If if you're listening to this, go to the AV. They do, AV Club, the Onion. They do this amazing series, and that just rocked. That was fun. And the one you did of one, uh, one more try, which I think is oh, a right. beautiful song. Well, they're so game. The the AV Club, the Onion, they. They just open the door and I come in and do whatever, and they, they just say thanks. Well, That's I great. think you're the one who's game because then a lot of times those mm. songs, you, you know, can have an allergy to a song. But you just, <laughs> you, one song, one song. This is kind of to put you on the spot. Not that you have to do this or noodle with this because you know we're doing this in midair. But one song, I don't know. Time magazine asked you once a song that 
meant a lot to you. This is sort of a basic question, but it was oh, interesting yeah. that Time Magazine asked you, and you, and this occurred to me. <laughs> no, it was. Like, I mean, I would think a periodical like a high school newspaper may have <laughs> tried to ask you, but apparently, Time it was a slow news week. <laughs> time, no, Time asked you and some other amazing artists to pick a song that really resonated with them, and you mentioned uh, Suzanne Leonard Cohen. Not that I'm yeah. putting you on the spot because I don't want to put you on the spot, but no, no, it's a great. I mean, I was thinking about that Lord. song because Leonard. Cohen passed recently. I know. As did Suzanne. It's funny because Suzanne she did? passed earlier this year. Oh, I didn't know that. They had fallen out of communication for a while, and she actually got him a message. She had been ill, and he wrote her this beautiful message. Oh, and wow. This is paraphrasing. I, I know. I don't mean to paraphrase Leonard Cohen. It's much easier to paraphrase Orson Welles, but he had <laughs> said, you know, I'm kind of ready too, and it seemed like late in his life he, he had reconciled, or at least was yeah. wanting to pass him. Why Suzanne? Why that song? Oh, Other well, than it's just... The, yeah, I mean, it's know. so beautiful. I mean, it was one of the first songs that I heard um, that I could hear the the poetry in it. Uh, you know, it's unconventional as far as its lyricism. Um, for I mean, at least for what I understood as, you know, to be song lyrics. Uh, it told this story in this beautiful... Uh, you know, it was the first poem song that I really heard. I mean, and I was... I. Bob Dylan's music was around, you know, because it's ever present yeah. ever since the 60s. Um, but I didn't really, there's something about the sound of it that put me off. I mean, I've, I've since come around to Dylan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's very big of you, Sam. This just in, Iron and Wine claims Bob Dylan made an impact. See you next week. <laughs> Yeah, he won something called a Nobel Prize this year. I don't know if, yeah, if yeah. you get out much. Yeah, those are those are those are handy. Uh, <laughs> Looks good on the resume there, Sam. Yeah. I think I liked what Leonard Cohen said, you know, earlier uh, when about him getting there. He's like, that's like pinning like a medal on Mount Everest for being tall. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of um, yeah, I'm sure he needed a leg up. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was the first one that I heard, Suzanne was the first one that I heard that struck me as like, and you know, as being totally different, totally resonant um, in in its, what it was talking about and the delivery, the sound of it, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it was really encapsulated so beautifully and um, it created almost a template for what I tried to do and everything going forward, you know, like as far as like create this space, this not necessarily like because I, I don't find any of his music depressing. Mm-hmm. I find it stoic. You know what I mean? And and um, I, I don't find him mournful at all. Actually, I don't think so. Either. He's always above the tone. Yeah. In the song. He's his his attitude. Uh, 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 yeah. Is always above the tone of it. He doesn't get in that swamp like someone like. Yeah. He's not not to compare him to Nick Cave but sometimes Nick Cave is in that thing yeah but, but but Cohen is right on he's like a note in it you know it's beautiful he's never I, I never get the feeling that his agenda is to dig up how shitty things are right right on. you know what I mean right I think on. he's like takes this outside voice like almost hovering above everything and yeah obs- observational but also only able to say these things because he's been in the middle of experiencing given me head on the unmade bed you know i mean in a sense but it's dispassionate (laughs) that wasn't an invitation (laughs) sam that was a song lyric um no but you know we've just lost exactly but that was what i was talking about (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we tried in our way today, folks. We we try to deliver a quality uh, program. We don't always succeed. Oh my God, Robert. <laughs> well, you know that's. Do you, you, do you have any part of it in your fingers? Do you have Have you mm-hmm. ever messed around with Suzanne? Not the woman. The uh, <laughs> good lord, good lord. Uh, no, I've never. I don't think. I don't think so. I maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. Any Leonard remember. Cohen song? Uh, we actually we used to do that. I did um. Chel- that Chelsea Hotel song uh, with um, uh, uh, Bridwell and I did it like a million oh, years cool. ago. Yeah, no, like just for like shits and giggles, or for yeah, we would get together and play um, before we were putting out records. And so, I mean, that's kind of how that whole um, covers record singing, came about. My t- yeah, my t- did you ever because think of putting we, Suzanne on it? Uh, it didn't. I don't know. I guess not. You it just didn't, didn't want to pay up. Cohen the royalties on it. <laughs> <laughs> God, he's such a Scrooge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think you know. It was just. It was a little more off the cuff. It was just sort of throwing stuff in the in the hat and see what we play. Well, you know, and it's it's one of those funny things. Fans, you know, I, I remember again doing this thing with Jeff Tweedy, and Jeff said, "Hey, is there anything you want to hear?" Yeah. And I said, "You do an, You did an amazing song of. You did. You guys did an amazing cover of Ripple." He said, oh, I don't remember the lyrics to that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so, we yeah. as fans were like, oh my God, Wilco did Ripple. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> I don't, but don't ask me to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you, you play anything you want, man? I, okay. Uh, let's see. Mm. All right. There's only so many I can do in this tuning well and know what I'm doing. Oh boy. Because I did this show last weekend and I had to, I don't practice the shit either. I don't, I'm terrible at, at remembering these songs. There's too many, <laughs> too many words. Yes. yes. I also like coming up with new songs better than perfecting old songs, and that becomes a drag when you have to play concerts. <laughs> but just play the hits, all right? <laughs> I get a peaceful, easy feeling. <laughs> Jackson Brown just called. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know is the check in the mail. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. You just cost me about a thousand dollars with those bar with those five bars. <laughs> How dare you? Last I saw mother, she rose from her chair. When they caught me, I just finished combing my hair. A rabbit will run. Cold hasn't long with the mare. We all are the earth while we carry the throne. Dove under the rivers, under our clothes. I still have a prayer as sure as my settling bones. I saw mother, she covered my ears When they caught me, I offered the captain a beer A rabbit will run, the lion has nothing to fear We bricked up the garden, we know what it means We all kissed the virgin as if she were clean I still have a prayer, despite all the colors I've seen 
Judgment is just a cup that we share I'll jump over the wall and wait for you there Well past the weeds in our vision of things to come We've all heard the rooster, all been denied, all seen through the haze and the spit in our eyes. I still have a prayer, it's a well-weathered word to the white. I saw mother, she smelled like a rose When they caught me, the captain opened my nose A rabbit will run, the wind takes a bird Where it blows We've all traded lovers, woke up alone All clapped for the king, though our fingers are cold I still have a prayer cause I love what I cannot control like a child a rabbit will run good dogs together go wild we've all lived it grace at the end of the day we've armed all the children we thought we betrayed I still have a prayer but too few occasions to pray judgment is just that old cup that we share I'll jump over the wall and wait for you there well past the weeds in our vision of things to come we've all found a reason for hiding the gun we've helped out a few if we've hurt anyone I still have a prayer so be it, I've done what I've done The last I saw mother, she blew me a kiss When they caught me the cuffs, cut the blood from my wrists A rabbit will run, a pig has to lay in its piss We've all given half to the hand in our face or taking a stone from the holiest place I still have a prayer and I furthered the world in my way so as you were playing that I was I had I discovered what the difference is uh, between you know um, artists and uh, you luck is you know that's wonderful man Thank you, me. you really it's you, it's great i mean you, you know what it is you, you've said it and we could have made this a really short episode because it's really the th- you can't express you can't like say it it's that thing that grabs you 
It's that peaceful, easy feeling. Wow, oh, jeez. <laughs> I was waiting for the joke. <laughs> God. Um, I, 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 I won't keep you because I know you have a, a house to paint. Um, <laughs> but I want... <laughs> gotta go back to the art life. Yeah, you got you got a whole art life. Now, um, come on, man. Uh, what do you know that is common? Like, do you know any Simon and Garfunkel? Do you know... Can we sing? Can I sing with you? Well, that would be a dream. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> I'm actually not bad. No, one, one more song. I don't know that stuff. I wish I did. I new slang. Do you know that song? You, I, yeah, I know You it, did it. I know, but that was like 15 okay. years ago. Just what do you want to we'll play? One more. To <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would we'll play one. What's? Let me ask you a question. This is when we do our live events. This is usually a, the question we end on. I remember asking Lucinda Williams this question, and I don't think she quite understood what the question was. But um, <laughs> if alone to your own devices, alone to your own, like uh, literally almost alone in a room with a guitar, um, what do you like? To, what would you play? I just end up fooling around, just like coming up with melodies and stuff. I mean, that's how I, I have fun. That's how I got into this whole big mess. Um, I definitely, I love working up a cover song because I always love finding yeah. some interpretation that I, you know, because we, these songs, like the 70s songs, we know backwards and forwards. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you find someone who takes an, a, a new, some little spin on the melody or some something that brings like a lyric that had been buried by some drum feel or something. You know what I mean? And, right. And then all of a sudden it's this brand new, piece that's what's i love i love how in art the ideas never die they're always there's something else to to come you know that you can draw from it or or some other tangent you can go from an idea yeah um that's what's in that's that's where I, how i find hope and stuff and because you know it's it's a hard it's it sounds ridiculous to say a, a life in art is hard because we do what we do, what we enjoy for a living. But at the same time, it's hard to feel like you're doing the right thing, or anticipate, you know, feel like, or stay, keep people engaged. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so hope is absolutely necessary, and I find it in just how, because audiences are fickle, but and I'm fickle as an audience member and as an artist I don't you know things that I thought were important to me have become un unimportant things that weren't have become super important you know just ever present um as far as what I make art about and how and why but also I think what um where I find hope is just the generosity of creativity and how it can go anywhere you never know it, it never really dries up if you unless you want it to or unless you let yourself go there and say I, I'm concentrate too much on things that you've done in the past and think you know that was I'll never do anything that good again or or you know I'm just who I don't I don't know what's what's around the corner and I'm afraid of it you know what I mean I, I do uh, I think around the corner is super exciting <laughs> I the, the, typically when I teach the last day of class, uh, it's I give the students an assignment. I say I have one assignment left, even though there's no class left, and it's something you probably will you'll never complete it. That's kind of the purpose of it. And here's the assignment: um, trust yourself. And you know we're talk, we've been talking a lot about this idea. How do you, you know? How do you know you're an artist? How do you know what to do? How do you know what validates the thing, et cetera? It's kind of you, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. do you feel like you're doing the thing that 
you do. And, and uh, you know, again, I, I think of you as someone who, who is and who's living that out. And I love the fact that you're not afraid because mm. you can't be, you know. Yeah, thank you, man. Likewise. Yeah. Now, that said, I hope I was flattering enough <coughs> there in the last sentence. Good Lord, my head, I'm not even going to fit out the out the door my head did you drive a pickup here because i think you're going to need the extra (laughs) chassis space (laughs) where's that 18 wheeler i rented (laughs) where's chris christopherson (laughs) convoy um do you know convoy no um do you have uh, one song left just to play us out of here sure sure it's called peaceful easy no it's called new slang i want to thank you for a not learning any of the songs i asked you to but b honestly thank you man for being here a murmur and and i'll I'll just say one last thing this may sound uh inaccurate or unbelievable i i didn't want to ask you to do this show i'm a jerk man no not because you're not because you're the awful guest you turned out to be um your ratings killer as we call it (laughs) in the business but honestly i i don't conversation stopper at best (laughs) Uh, I don't. I don't think you know. I've gotten to meet you and know you a little bit, and I, I our time together when I is very uh, like I, priv- I I I honor that, and I would never ask you to do something simply because. Well, I'd never do it if I didn't want to well, do it. The, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, it could be a favor once in a while. It doesn't hurt. Thanks, you Robert. know. You're very kind. In, in all seriousness, man, and and I want to thank you. And you know, amongst all the guests I've asked, this was actually the hardest to do because I. I think you're a good guy oh and, thanks man and and i want to thank you for everything man thank you robert thanks okay thanks oh, for, for one last time uh professor iron and wine here on murmur thank you for listening sorry <laughs> you could have tuned a little, a little <laughs> earlier while i was talking i mean amy mann would do it <laughs> the garden wear them both like a glove that you can wave may your mouth betray your wisdom may you get what they fail to mention may your love be your only religion and preach it to us all may you lose what you offer gladly May you worship the time and it's passing The stars won't ever wait for you to watch them fall With the smoke on a burned horizon With a boat on a tide that's rising Both the post and the pig you're untying But you're gone for the blade Someday we may all be happy Someday I'll make a face worth slapping Someday we may be shocked to be laughing At the way we behave May your hands be strong and willing May you know when to speak and to listen May you find every friend that you're missing 
for the day Someday we may all want nothing And all forget that we'll get what's coming Someday I'll say the world was something that we just couldn't change May your tongue be something wicked Know your part in the calf and the killing See straight through the captain you're kissing The helm's loose in his hands May your words be well worth stealing Put your hand on your heart when you're singing The choir's sick of the song but they still gotta stand Class dismissed. See you next time. <laughs>